What's up, Story Geeks? Thanks for joining us today on the Story Geeks podcast. I'm Jay Shear, author of the Amazon top seller time travel novel, <laughs> Time Slingers. It's always fun to say it's that. officially on his business card. <laughs> it should be. It should be on my business card. And today we're digging deeper into one of the most brutal, disturbing comic book movies of all time, which is also now an Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning film, Ooh. Joker. And joining me today... Three of us. There's three of us today. Three clowns. <laughs> Nick Duke. Yeah. Priscilla Hernandez. We call her Scylla. Yes. <laughs> and you, of course, I already introduced myself. How are you guys today? Good. Good. This will be an interesting discussion. Yeah. About to get a lot more depressed. Yeah. I like to start <laughs> on a high note and then uh, drag everyone down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a very interesting one. But before we get to the questions, I wanted to mention that one of the benefits we offer to the Story Geeks Club members who support us at $5 a month or more, we actually send you these discussion questions in advance uh, of the recordings so that you can follow along with us. And, and sometimes, actually, too, people will respond to those questions and we'll read their responses on the show. So if you're interested in supporting the show by joining our exclusive club, visit thestorygeeks.com for more information. And with that, we are going to jump into it. We're going to jump into this big Joker discussion. And the Oscars were, what, two Sundays ago as of this recording? By the time you listen to this, as it coming out? It was like almost a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, the Joker was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, uh, original score, adapted screenplay, cinematography. By the way, uh, fun fact, adapted screenplay was for The Killing Joke, which it is not very much like. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's that was similar, called, but not. I thought it was considered adapted just because it's based on a character. It might. Oh. They might call it that, too. But mm -hmm. I looked it up and they said it's it's because of. So The Killing Joke. Is it because Arthur Fleck? The Killing Joke, right? Is it because Arthur Fleck? I name? think it's because The Killing Joke is technically about a comedian that has one bad day mm, and right. turns mm -hmm. into the Joker. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that similar, it's like yeah. it's okay. inspired by parallels. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also cinematography, sound mixing, costume design, film editing, makeup and hairstyling and sound mm -hmm. editing. A lot, a lot of mm -hmm. nominations, mm -hmm. um, a few wins in there, a few wins in so there. If I had a movie that had a shot at winning anything, I'd submit it for all these things too. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so do you think it, but do you think it deserved them? Nick, do you think, what do you think? Did this movie deserve the attention it got from the Oscars? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's a good step forward, uh, for any time a comic book movie is nominated for an Academy Award. Mm. Um, not just saying like, because this is a comic book movie, it should have been, but it, it did have a really, really strong performance, strong performances all around. Uh, mostly on the part of Joaquin Phoenix, but the score was uh, very haunting, very, um, mm. uh, it stood out amongst yeah. all the scores out there, um, That especially the ones that were nominated. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about uh, Best Picture. <laughs> I wouldn't have nominated for Best Picture, um, but uh, it definitely, uh, I think, deserves an actor and score for sure okay yeah okay Scylla what do you think uh similar points of view I think mm -hmm. in certain elements it definitely deserves you know from a technical span standpoint cinematography mm -hmm. the, the score the sound editing very good mm. 
great. Mm. Um, acting, fantastic. Um, Story-wise, that's I have conflicting emotions about that because mm. on one hand, it's just Taxi Driver with King mm. of Comedy right. mashed together. Right. So it's like, this has <laughs> kind of been done before. It's, it's nothing super original. So I think I, I struggle with that. I don't see it being a best picture. I am curious how I would feel if you were to show me this movie, take off the opening um, credits of like Warner Brothers DC. Mm-hmm. Um, don't tell me this is a, a comic book movie and then have me watch it. I wonder how I would feel about it. I mean, they do say Gotham and Thomas Wayne and Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But if I hadn't known those things, I wonder how differently I would feel about it. I, I I could tell you right now, I would not be interested in it whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the only reason I'm seeing it is because it's called Joker. Because mm-hmm. it's a DC film. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, we'll talk a lot about all the different things that take place. And we will bring DC Comics lore into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I would be interested in it at all. Um, so for me, I would say I actually have read a little bit of the adapted screenplay. It's very old school Hollywood, in my my opinion, old school Hollywood screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's like all the standard, like, uh, if you want to see the new school Hollywood screenplay, yeah. we've already talked about this, go yeah. read Knives Out. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's a new school Hollywood screenplay. But this is very good. It's a very good screenplay um, based on, I mean, my analysis of it. Uh, cinematography, I thought was brilliant. Um, I do think in a year that you have 1917, this would not beat 1917. No. But this cinematography was brilliant and it probably is one of my favorite in that category um costume design i think is just probably okay for me i think Mm. basically joker's costume is really awesome and then the rest of the costumes are like yeah early 80s late 70s costumes (laughs) yeah it's cool with i've I've noticed with uh and i've forgotten my own uh i have like my own strategy when it comes to like uh what wins oscars oh nice nice um but this year i like forgot my own rule which is when it comes to period pieces, the Oscar is going to go to whatever the oldest period piece is, <laughs> right, exactly. which was, I think, Little Women. Yeah, I think it was. And I, I was like, I thought it might be uh, they would give it to. Um, oh shoot, what else was there? But anyway, there's an, there's another one I thought it was going to. I picked that one. And oh, I was like, okay. shoot, I forgot Little Women was further back in time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is like, like more like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood type styling. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's a little different, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Joaquin did an amazing job. Um, although sometimes I think we we reward actors for going too far. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this guy most, should not have lost that much weight. Like, this yeah. is unhealthy. But sometimes it's most notable, noticeable. Yeah, like, yeah. If you notice, you know, if someone's screaming at you and freaking out, like you're gonna notice that on screen, yes, and yes. rather than like a very subtle performance, totally. you know, or a, trans- mm-hmm. a transformed, totally. Um, yeah. A couple notes. Uh, original score. I heard a really, really, really cool thing about original score. Uh, they made the score prior to making the film, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But the scene where Joaquin is dancing in the restroom, um, that technically they're playing the score oh. and he's dancing to it, right. like which is just a very strange thing to do, but really interesting. Um, I do think it deserved a best picture nomination for the skill with which they were, which with with which it was made. But there's a big caveat to that. This is one of the worst years I've seen in terms of, like, I think you could have put 
so many TV shows up in the running for best picture in this category, <laughs> and yeah. they, they should have won basically. <laughs> so, uh, I but I do think it deserves the nomination because I do think that the directing and the cinematography were that good. They were world class in terms of of the their ability. I don't know if I would say that Joaquin's performance was world class necessarily. It's definitely amazing, mm-hmm. but world class is to me like is this the epitome of capturing this story in the appropriate way mm-hmm. probably yes but i'd have to think about the other ways that it could have been mm-hmm. portrayed before i would say that for yeah sure. you could have jared leto <laughs> well <laughs> yeah oh we just made everyone sad um oh that's what made everyone sad <laughs> yeah the movie oh. made everyone sad uh yeah so anyways that's kind of those are kind of my takes on it now, Joker does take place in Gotham City in the early 80s, where crime is rampant, people are struggling financially, there's a growing discord between the poor and the wealthy, um, and amidst all of that powder keg, we have Arthur Fleck dealing with some pretty severe mental illness. And rather than focus on comic book tropes like action and good versus evil, Joker is an intense character study. So, Scylla, what do you think? Do you think this is a good setup for a DC Comics film? If you're going to notice from this discussion today, it's going to be a theme of conflicting feelings. <laughs> um, on one hand, if you took Bat- any Batman reference, Gotham reference, Joker reference out, mm. it wouldn't make a major impact to me on in terms of the story. Mm. Like there's elements of the Batman story in there that is a bit distracting. Mm. Like how many times yeah. do I have to see Bruce Wayne? see his parents get killed. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, how seriously? Did it's it happen been, again? It's been less than like five mm-hmm. years since we've seen them die before. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we see them yeah. die constantly. Did you guys forget? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's parents died. Yeah. But on the other hand, comics are up to interpretation and have one shots and mm-hmm. have different story arcs get... Um, New canons, recanoned, yep. um, various factors. Mm. So that's where the conflicting f- emotions lie. Because it's mm. like, yeah, it could be totally a DC Comics movie because not everything is very clear cut. Mm. And if anything, that makes it original because it's not the typical good versus evil, good wins in the end because it it does not. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's like a yes or no <laughs> in yeah. terms of an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, um, same thing. Conflicted feelings, but uh, I, I I feel like there's so many um, good DC comics too that aren't just you know a good versus evil mm-hmm. story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think every major character on the roster has some kind of story like that, mm. um, and I think focusing on. Um, what makes a villain is is a compelling mm-hmm. story to tell. Um, I think that they could keep doing things like that. I don't think mm-hmm. it necessarily always has to be like a depressing like <laughs> slog, but uh, for you know something like the Joker, it's not really going to be anything but mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like I think a cool thing to do would be like in. Uh, killing joke or even any other interpretation of the joker is to if you are going to sequelize like this joker show multiple 
origins of this character um, you know but one of the things i like it when i don't know if they still have this but there was like a series that dc did there there were basically like uh dc 101s type thing and it was like uh it would give a list of like essential reading mm -hmm. for a certain character but it would have like this little intro piece by the character and the joker had one mm. uh for his list and it just says it's it's the joker holding out a deck of cards and he says like something it's not this exactly but akin to like um like you want to know more about me and like where i came from like mm. pick a card and choose for yourself you know it's like because mm. to me like that's the thing that makes uh joker a disturbing and like mm. scary character is you don't know where he comes from right mm -hmm. um so i think a, this wasn't the question but a cool thing to do in these uh the new types of like setups for DC movies mm -hmm. is to go like, oh yeah, that like that that one happened, but what if that wasn't the truth? Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then you're just like, oh, I don't know what to believe. But it's not in continuity. Basically. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't think every comic book movie has to deal with like good versus evil. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like uh just like a day in the life of the good or the day in the life of the evil. Mm. Um both have conflict. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, it doesn't always have to be like galactic or world yes. like stakes. Right. You know, right. Mm -hmm. It can be a guy um that's just cast off from society. Right. In one city, in one state, in one country. So Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I, I think that I like where we're going in the comic book movie realm mm -hmm. where we're not just seeing another early 2000s Spider-Man movie yeah. where it's like, it's, this is just pretty clear cut. Like how, mm -hmm. how this is going to go is apparent from the moment the movie starts, you know? Um, oh man, I hope Spider-Man wins. <laughs> I know, right? Like I don't know this time. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think that, that comics have paved the way for this because comic books have gotten so sophisticated graphic mm -hmm. novels have gotten so sophisticated that of course we would want to see all of the that that sophistication on screen it makes sense and of course christopher nolan ushered this type of movie into theaters when he did the his trilogy his mm -hmm. batman trilogy mm -hmm. this is just a continuation and a more extreme version of that basically right so um yeah so i'm a, i'm a fan of this type of movie not necessarily this movie but this yeah. type of movie i think uh showcasing these characters through a different lens adds more weight to the genre mm -hmm. i think that you know famously last year we had uh scorsese saying that the marvel movies weren't cinematic mm -hmm. which is such a bizarre way of describing that um because cinematic as a de as a the word defined is like big things on screen it's like wait wait a minute well, i don't understand it's a weird thing to hear from an artist because it's you, a weird thing especially hear, like yeah. scorsese because you think he'd be all about like yeah throw whatever on screen you want to throw yeah at it. Mm -hmm. right, right 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 that's cinema baby but art is art man yeah. yeah yeah but what i think this movie proves is that a genre a genre movie a comic book movie can certainly break into artistry pretty fast. Yes. This movie's not trying to be anything but art mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. It's not trying to be anything else, um, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, and I like the fact that we're seeing this kind of film in that in that world. So 
Now, I will say, as a film, Joker intends to disturb us. It intends to make us feel very uncomfortable. So uh, I will start with uh, you, Nick. What about this film specifically, of all the things in it, many of which are disturbing, <laughs> what what most disturbed you about this film? Um, I think after Arthur Fleck kind of decides to become full Joker, uh, there's a scene that's in his apartment where he kind of has his little revenge moment with mm. um, his former co-worker. Um, yeah, what's that guy's Cloud. name? Roland or something like that? He's the guy that what gives him, earlier in the movie, he gives him a gun for mm. like protection pretty much. Yeah. And mm. then uh, um, it's what ends up getting Arthur fired yes, <laughs> because he yes, drops yes, yes. it in a children's hospital. That's, yes. that's right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Also disturbing, not on the list, but... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. disturbing. <laughs> Uh, especially like too when he like he, he drops it and he quickly picks it up and puts it in his pocket and he looks around at all the kids and he puts his finger to his yeah. lips that's just scary um but to me when um and the it was he that guy comes into his apartment and then um his his other coworker is the only one that was ever really nice to him gary. yeah 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 right what's his name gary was it gary yeah, yeah, it might be Gary. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Gary. I think it with, might be Gary too. Let's go with Gary. We'll go with Gary. <laughs> Gary the clown. He's such a um, cool. Yeah, he's yeah. a cool guy. Yeah, which I was like, the, of all the people in the movie, like I mean, Bruce Wayne, like that kind of pretty much have innocence and stuff. I was like, oh, that guy. That guy's the hero. <laughs> you know, he tried. He he tried being nice to the guy. Right, right. And it, you know, it it wasn't enough. But like that that anyways, that whole scene uh, where Arthur um, kills the guy that gave him mm. the gun. Mm. um and it's there's just like this weird it not just tension but there's like a weird tension where because of the arthur and the guy he's murdered like because of their <laughs> positioning in the apartment mm -hmm. gary can't get out right mm -hmm. and he doesn't know what's gonna happen he yep. doesn't know if he's next and like Arthur's like laying in the pathway towards the door with blood everywhere. And he's oh. like, Oh Gary, it's okay. You can go, but you're not entirely sure. He really is giving him permission to go or is or he's he, going to come over and kill him or he's going to go over and kill him. Yeah. And they just keep pulling that taffy, which I, I really loved that. Yeah. That, yeah like yeah. where you're just like, Oh, like what was he going to do? More and more. Tension. And like he and uh, Gary ends up going over there and you realize He's too short to reach the doorknob. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, he has to ask for help. Yeah. And so like Arthur's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I sorry, I forgot. And like gets up, he's got blood all over him, mm -hmm. opens the door, and then shuts it, and says like one more thing to him yes. before opening the door and letting him out. And yes. It's just, the amount it's just such like weird tension. Like I don't know what's going to happen, but. Come on, he's not going to kill the good this good guy, right? Right. But maybe he will because he's crazy <laughs> now. Right. Or, but mm -hmm. to me, that was the point in the movie that was really disturbing. Everything else to me, um, I felt would have been more disturbing to me without music, which is weird because the music is mm, great. Yeah. But I really want to see a version of this movie that has no score. Oh. Because like just seeing him act weird it, act weird but, yeah. and like dancing in the bathroom to no music i think would have been just strange <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and just like you know hearing just like his feet moving on the on the ground or like you know slipping against the yeah. against the floor would just be just 
really strange. But anyways, what do you what do you guys think? Was By disturbing? the way, just just really quick before before you go, Silla, uh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. Randall. It is Gary, and it's oh, Randall. Randall yeah. Randall's okay. the other guy. So I was wrong. It's not Roland. It's Randall. Randall. Um, but what's your what's, what is your most disturbing part of this disturbing film? I feel like if anything, the more disturbing aspect is watching it with an audience and them laughing at certain moments. Oh. And you're like, that's a th- I didn't see it with an audience. I so. didn't either. Yeah, it was. So I've, I saw it twice in the theaters. The second time I saw it, I actually saw it with a coworker that okay. also mm. works in the mental health field. And um. there are moments that you would hear people laugh and you're kind of just like. It's not funny. Yeah. Like, what's, what's going on there? Like, what's going on there? I also don't know, like, if it's, like, nervous laughter. And I'm or, pretty like, sure it's uncomfortable yeah. laughter, but it was just like, mm. ooh. Yeah, is it, yeah. No, this guy needs help. This isn't funny. He needs help. He needs help. Um, so I think it's more of that experiencing it with an audience mm. made it a bit disturbing because people mm. don't know how to react. How do we respond to this? Um, second place would be, and I didn't notice this until later on, at one point, he's inappropriately touching himself in his mom's bed before they call for oh, the Murray really? Franklin show. Yeah, no way. And I was just like, what? I didn't notice that. This time. I didn't notice. That I've either. seen it twice, and I did not notice that. But that's it's just very, very disturbing. disturbing. Where it's like it's disturbing on multiple levels. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. It's interesting because I have like more of a and rather than pick a specific moment, mm-hmm. one of the things I realized, and I say this on the podcast a lot because as a writer, I think about this. I think about our our brains are wired. This is neuroscience proven. Our brains are <laughs> wired to make sense of the world through stories. Mm-hmm. It's they're made to they're, our brains are wired to make sense of the world even when the world itself does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. we're, we're constantly looking to make sense of things, even when there's no sense to be made. It's just nonsense. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and I think the most disturbing thing about the Joker or Joker, I should say. And the only reason I think it works for me, because at the end of the day, I go, this movie works. I don't necessarily like this movie, mm-hmm. but it works. And the only reason that it works is because I believe that it shows our desperation as human beings and Mm -hmm. how quickly we can get to a place of desperation. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, and also not only desperation, but also despair, because those two things kind of have to go hand in hand to get someone to this, to get a character to this, um, to this, to this place. So Arthur is relying on his world to provide him with value. Mm-hmm. He's relying on people yeah. to be he needs kind that to validation. Him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He needs people to come along and be like, hey, buddy, we're going to get through this together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he needs respect. He needs connection. He needs love. He needs mm-hmm. hope. But the world only continues to give him despair. Other people hurt him. The system hurts him. His family and his friends hurt him. Strangers straight up hurt him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 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 experience is. Unfortunately, I hope that people have both experiences, and I think most people have both experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is a real microcosm of what can happen to us. And mm-hmm. that is the most disturbing thing, is that this, this story could actually happen. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this one's going to turn into the Joker because mm-hmm. of what happens. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying it's a reflection. It's a reflection of yeah. desperation and despair and what happens in those kind of circumstances. Um, and then... If you look at the worldview that you would develop 
based off the interactions that he has. It's an inappropriate worldview, in my opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. But the only end to that worldview of saying, yeah, the, the world is only full of despair. There is nothing in it for me. I mm -hmm. am not valued. This is all impossible. The only end is insanity, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's not like it was for lack of trying either. Like he was mm -hmm. still going to therapy. Yeah, he was going to, you know, he's trying to figure out, oh, like maybe this person's my father. I'm going to go reach right. out to them mm -hmm. and try to talk to them and right. instantly like pushed aside. And it's mm -hmm. just like every at every turn where he tries to do something and stand up. Yeah, he tries to go and do stand up and yep. like he's met with silence and like everywhere he turns. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but the Thing, the the last thing he turns to is to like taking matters into his own hands. Yes, and he finds like freedom in that. Yeah, because it's, it's there's very much a, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later. But there's very much a component in this film about what it means not to be seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And out of his desperation and despair, he goes, "Well, the one thing that I." need is to be seen so how how do i get there mm -hmm. uh, and of course the place he goes is super super dark um but it's just really so so to me again just to kind of reiterate the movie is full of lots of little disturbing things but the most disturbing thing is we live in a world where it can be pretty easy to go down a pathway of despair mm -hmm. and it it can look like the world can look like what he's interacting with, even mm -hmm. if it's not true. Even mm -hmm. if even if even if you're not encountering people the way he's encountering people, if even if you have the or the people around you that you do view are the worst of the people mm -hmm. that are around you, as opposed to the best of the people around you, I feel like it can re, you can have a reflection. How many of us have had a day where we're like, man, this world is just mm -hmm. trash. Like this is garbage, yeah. right? Um, and I think a lot of that's our own perspective. It's a lot of things that we'll probably continue to talk about throughout this podcast. Mm -hmm. But that's the most disturbing thing is that like it's a character study because this kind of stuff can happen to people, and their per perspective perspective on it can be similar to his perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's that's disturbing to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so things happen to Arthur. He's beaten up several times. He's berated publicly to the point of humiliation. Um, he's abandoned by multiple people, including his heroes and his family and Gotham's mental health system itself. Um, but he also makes choices. So it's not just like things are happening to him. He's also making choices throughout the film. And the path he walks transforms him into the Joker. So my question to each of you, uh, Silla, we'll start with you. What could have been done differently to prevent Arthur's turn? From Arthur himself or from the people around him? Well, either way, either way, really. Okay. Yeah. Because it's difficult for me to think of how things could be done differently if it was Arthur himself. But I think there could have been multiple individuals that decided like, hey, this guy is going through a really tough situation. Let's mm. help him out. Yeah, Thomas Wayne has no obligation to help him. Right. But if he knows that his mother is mentally disturbed, be like, oh, man, he must have had a really rough childhood. Mm. Mm. Um, as an aside, I think it. The one objection I have to the movie, which it might seem super simple you wouldn't cut services without giving him like a referral or something. You wouldn't do that. Yeah. You wouldn't just Good be luck, like, buddy. bye, sorry, <laughs> right. you have no meds. Right, um, right. That and also 
people can have a discussion of how, um, you know, CPS, Child Protective Services is run. But I don't see someone getting their child back after letting them be abused and neglected. Mm, for mm -hmm. So in a sense, yeah, the mental health system could have been way different towards him. Um, but yeah, I think those things just kind of get under my skin. I'm like, mm, I know you have the element of disbelief but yeah. right right yeah i think those... Gotham is also not a real city yeah. yes exactly <laughs> i wish it was or maybe i don't um but yeah i think there's there's different people that if it just would have been a different response things could have changed for him mm. but mm -hmm. unfortunately it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. yeah what do you think Nick? yeah and uh i mean his world it, the world is large but like Arthur's world is pretty small. Uh, like he doesn't mm -hmm. venture out yeah. very far. <laughs> right, right, right. He goes mm -hmm. to the same kind of places <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right. all the time. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting. Like the same you could ask the same for like for Batman, you know, like what could have been done differently to kind of prevent him from becoming not that you would want to prevent him from becoming Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, it, it seems like it's it's all from uh, choices that they feel like are pushed on them. Like, mm -hmm. like they didn't mm -hmm. make these choices. Everyone else made these choices for me. Mm. Um, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents were taking were taken away from him. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like, therefore, he is become batman you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. and like with the joker it's just like you know the the whole so all of society is against it. i think it's literally a line and he says in the movie is it's like this is what happens when you uh toss someone aside in society or whatever right you know, right 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 blam robert de niro right in the face yeah um <laughs> super disturbing moment by the way yeah yes. um but yeah like i the interesting thing is like batman knows this choice um that's why he doesn't kill mm. he knows if i kill someone it becomes that much easier to kill the next person mm -hmm. right and i think like where it kind of starts with arthur is mm. like he lets himself cross that line right and from that point he's kind of done yeah and like you know that he's not going to turn himself in or anything like that right so he's just he's just going to keep going he's just going to commit fully <laughs> right 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 so right. uh so, so you equate you equate it so in in the balance of the equation of things happening to him versus his choices which one do you weigh as more significant to his turn um in terms of like this this in the sequence of the film like what moment is no 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 more like more like so okay so you talked about like yeah bad things happen to a lot of people yeah, a lot yeah. of characters mm -hmm. right uh -huh. and that doesn't always lead to a negative origin story sometimes it leads to yeah, yeah, yeah. great origin stories mm -hmm. so uh, there's a lot of failures around him mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of failure personal character fail failures that yeah, yeah. he causes himself yes do you, which one do you think is more of what brings him to the point of the joker uh that's the choices that he makes himself okay, okay. Mm. um because you know you can be presented with uh like the most terrible uh situation possible but yeah. it's like your obligation to pick the right choice into how mm. you navigate that scenario yes 
um, you know, I don't, I don't think morality is ambiguous. Right, mm-hmm. there, right, right. There's right and wrong. And like he, he very clearly at a certain point chooses to do terrible things. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. it's like, it doesn't matter that the system failed him. It's not their fault. He still has the choice mm-hmm. not to do those things. Right. But he does and he commits mm-hmm. fully to doing it. It isn't even mm-hmm. just like he tries, he does one thing one time because he accidentally lets himself go too far. Mm-hmm. It's like he does it and he's proud of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he runs with it right. like mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And like even at the end, mm-hmm. it's like it almost ends with like the promise that like what we saw here wasn't the worst to come. <laughs> right. You right, know, right, right, there's right. some mm-hmm. pretty there's bad more stuff coming. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he believes because he with all his mental health conditions, if he believes that he is right. In the terms of right and wrong, he he believes that Mm. he's right. In his distorted worldview, like, for so long I've tried to go this one way, but this is how society works, so why don't I do just what, like, society does? Mm -hmm. So it's it's difficult. We know it's wrong, but Mm -hmm. in his point of view, he sees it as, like, hey, this choice brought me the most happiness, the Mm -hmm. most euphoria at the time. Yeah, that's that's go with it. That is something he says in the movie is like, I haven't been happy a day in, in my, my life. life. Yeah. yeah. And you, every time you see him smile or laughing, mm-hmm. it's either out of like his compulsive right. disorder mm-hmm. or it's him pretending right. in some way, whether he's mm-hmm. being a clown or he's literally mm-hmm. holding up his, you know, the corners of his mouth with his fingers. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and it's not until you know, he actually commits his first act of violence towards someone mm-hmm. that he like smiles for real. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. I, th- I think this is again, one of those things. And the reason why I asked the question in this way is because it is a very delicate balance. You end the movie going, I know he's a villain. I kind of felt sorry for him at some points in time, but I don't feel good about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the reason why the, very nihilist, yes. very yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think it's if you got if you if you, as a storyteller you got off on a tangent too fast, it would lose everything mm-hmm. because this is more of like a, a, a picture of what's actually going on when we idolize something like John Dillinger yeah. or mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. There uh-huh. were people that considered John Dillinger a straight up hero. Yeah, but if you, so, if you see if you see a movie about D- John Dillinger where you know it's it it's it paints the wealthy as people who deserve to be robbed and mm-hmm. maybe even have people killed to get the money, then you go okay. Well, John Dillinger is sort of a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. They don't do that with Joker. They mm-hmm. don't give you an out because they go oh, it's still horrific though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. so that's why the question is so interesting. If they if they mess up one element of this movie to tilt you towards too much sympathy or to tilt you towards too much he's just a straight up villain, they actually lose the art of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I think that the movie is so good is that they don't mm-hmm. lose any of those things by the time they get to the end of the movie. I think they they front load you with sympathy. Because they do. If they end with sympathy, you're right. That you lose everything. You lose mm-hmm. like, everything. You start the movie going like, "Oh my gosh, like, exactly. poor guy." Yeah. But then they spend the whole rest of the movie making him just exactly awful. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, I think you can look at it, the system fails him very yeah. clearly. 
-hmm. right? You can see that his family and friends fail him very clearly. Every single one of them, except for Gary. Yeah, um, except for Gary. <laughs> the strangers that he doesn't even know yeah. fail him, but also his own perspective and behavior fails him. So it's sort of this perfect storm. I, I think that this movie probably doesn't work if you put him in Metropolis. No. Mm -hmm. He's probably fine. If you, I mean, he might be fine. If he's raised by Ma and Pa Kent, he's maybe <laughs> fine, right? Like, yeah. Um, maybe a little depressed sometimes. But... Yeah, even if he grew up in Smallville, mm -hmm. he might be fine. Like we, <laughs> like it's too. It's just he's he's on he's on a tightrope and he's and he's barely navigating it, and of course he falls. Mm -hmm. um, but it's because he's on a tightrope, and we go oh, that there's not a lot of margin for error in this tightrope. Mm -hmm. um, even if you were to give the, a character a more hopeful view of why he's on earth and what he's called to be, because even he thinks he's called to bring joy and he literally can't bring anyone joy. Yeah. Right. So maybe, maybe he's fine. So I, I just think that that's why the story works is that any one of those things, if they were played a little bit further one way or a little bit further the other way, mm -hmm. it would just be a completely different movie. And you would have a reason to root for, Gotham, you'd have a reason to root for the guys beating him up. You'd have a reason to root for him killing people. In this, you have no one to root for. At the end of the whole, at the end of the whole movie, you go, yeah. Gary is the only one <laughs> that the I only can root, root for. for. So I think, think that's a, it's a really interesting way of telling a story. Uh, it's just a very depressing way of telling a story, which is kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. This is an art house film. Um, now, I'm going to be making it more depressing. Um <laughs> Arthur Fleck does kill seven people in the film. I counted them. I actually heard Todd Phillips on the director's roundtable on The Hollywood Reporter talking about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, he kills seven people. And I'm like, oh, really? I wonder who, which seven are those. I counted them, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we, can, we can go through them if you need to. But which murder do you think had the biggest impact to the story and to Arthur's journey into madness? He has these seven murders, but which one is really the most impactful to the story and into the character of Arthur as he goes through this journey? So what do you think? I would say the ones on the subway, the first murders yeah. are mm -hmm. the ones that um, have the most impact because it, it starts that or it emphasizes that distorted worldview like well i did this i feel great let's mm. let's mm -hmm. continue on that path because before i was doing everything by the well almost by the book and it gets me nowhere mm. no one cares so let's just move forward from there um i yeah i think that has the most impact mm. um even though yeah as he kills more there's more of a descent Right. And goes right, further right. and further and mm -hmm. further. But this first one, just that scene of him running into that restroom and doing that dance, mm. um, just seeing like he it just seems like he he gets this whole new perspective in life and it's being demonstrated right. through the dancing. Right. Um, so I would say that's the most impactful. OK. Yeah. Nick? Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. But just to be different. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because. Uh, like on that subway, like he shoots one person and he kind of stops, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. and has like a, what did I do kind of thing. Right. But then, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, then it becomes easier. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he's like, shoots the next person mm -hmm. and then shoots the next person, you mm -hmm. know, and then mm -hmm. it's just, you know, right from there. But to be different, um, I would say when he kills his mom, Mm. Um, because that was that's like kind of the only thing that was like anchoring him mm -hmm. to 
just like uh, anything. Like yeah. it's that's the only thing that's holding him back mm-hmm. is his mom. And he like, I mean, you can argue the reasoning, but it's like he did. I uh, I tend to think like he didn't want to have to like really think about her or worry about her for anything. So he's like, let's just take her out of the equation. Mm -hmm. You know, she's suffering anyway. So like, Mm -hmm. let's just, you know, it's, it's easy. And she lied to me and she lied to me. Yeah. And she lied to me or, or perhaps lied to me. We're gonna get that question. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like, cause after that, I think is when he starts like, you know, he puts on the suit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he puts on the suit and starts like, really embracing and like uh not showing his true face anymore he's yes. putting on his he puts on the suit and puts on the makeup and then that's where he is right, mm-hmm. right. he doesn't go back to being arthur fleck at all right so, right um yeah i think that was an impact i mean there's yeah seven mm-hmm. of them and each one is significant but like right i think mm-hmm. that one is the one that was just like holding him back from or holding him down yeah. Um, to any semblance of like what his life was before he decided right. to become this person. Right, mm-hmm. right, like, right, right, This right. is the only thing that ties me to anything. Yes. And once she's gone, it's like he, he is... He has free reign to be He is he the joke. He is yeah. the joker. He's yeah. not anyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that those are those are really good perspectives. I, I also had the same one you guys had, which is the three the street the three Wall Street guys. Yeah. And I the only thing I'll add to it um, is that you guys I think really nailed it with where he's at in his character journey, which is how I asked the question. There's one other element of that murder that I think solidifies his journey, and that is if he had been arrested, and or if the murder had been perceived, if it wasn't Wall Street guys. There's a very subtle, not 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 maybe not so subtle, but you're watching Arthur's journey. The side story is Gotham is falling apart, mm-hmm. and there's a war between the poor and the wealthy. There's there's a class war that's happening. Yeah, yeah. If Arthur did, if it wasn't Wall Street guys, and if Arthur didn't escape without any consequences, I don't know that he would have been able to keep going. Because he saw that he was now I'm seen and people think that I'm a hero. Now mm-hmm. he says multiple times, their ideology is not my ideology. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because they're feeding him back. Yeah. Hey, you're great, man. Yeah. Like yeah. you're part of you're you're our hero because mm-hmm. you're killing the rich. Yeah. Um, and in and of course for him, it's not about killing the rich, but he is finally seen. Mm-hmm. If he was seen in that moment as a complete uh horrific person or if he was seen as the person who he is yeah mm-hmm. no one would actually say he's a hero they'd all be like whoa this guy's gone way off the deep yeah. end yeah but they don't see him that way because they don't see what happened and all they know is three douchebags for lack of a better yeah. word got killed after harassing a lady and then trying to beat this guy up mm-hmm. so they deserved it and they worked for wall street they worked for thomas wayne so yeah that guy's a hero without any context to what's actually going on if that if that didn't play out that way, then he would have never actually been perceived as the hero mm-hmm. and never would have been seen in the mm-hmm. way he was feeling like he was seen. So yeah, I, I think that that's, um, I agree with both of you that that's the, that's the yeah. one, right? That's the yeah. one that made the biggest difference. And who mass produced all those masks so quickly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfectly have the pattern of, 
of his Joker makeup. Yeah, so some enterprising person, capitalism, yeah. oh, really Thomas winning. Wayne. <laughs> Probably oh. Thomas maybe it's his old job. <laughs> yeah. Aha's. Could have been Here's our too. supply. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Thomas Wayne, as we're talking about him, does come off as a total jerk, both as a figure in Gotham in his interaction and in his interactions with Arthur's mother and Arthur himself. Even Alfred seems unsympathetic, which is very odd because a lot of times we see a more sympathetic Arthur, at least one that's for Bruce, right? This one mm -hmm. on Bruce's side. Um, and that sets up this scenario wherein the film uses two or well, three unreliable narrators uh, to give us a very confusing, unresolved perspective. Thomas, Alfred, and Penny all have different perspectives on the truth. And we don't ever actually figure out, I don't think there's enough definitive information in the movie to say which one is correct. But the uh, the suggestion is that Arthur Fleck might actually be Thomas Wayne's son, which would make him Batman's brother, Bruce Wayne's brother. It's never settled. But what do you think, Nick? Is Arthur Bruce's brother? And how did you feel about that being included in this story? Um. I guess I'll go with the second part first, how I felt about it. Mm. Um, I, I feel like that's too coincidental <laughs> mm -hmm. that Batman and the Joker would be brothers. That makes it a little too uh, soap opera-ish to me, you know? <laughs> it's just like, oh, my brother the whole time. Or like, you know, it's a little too Thor, Loki. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think... Yeah, I don't I don't think he's his brother, but I could see if if he was, I think like the mental illness aspect of it tracks a little bit mm. um, because, you know, Batman is pretty obsessive and yeah, right. is dissociated from his own identity. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know, I. I I, I feel like it could just it could go either way. Mm. I just I just think uh, story wise, I think it would just be a little too close, <laughs> too convenient. Almost. <laughs> yeah, too mm -hmm. convenient. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's to me that makes it feel like the world's a little smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like how every Star Wars movie has to do with a Skywalker <laughs> or, you, know, <laughs> right, or right, right. you go to an outer rim planet and you run into somebody, you know. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's yeah, like right, right, right. It, it's like, really? They're like that that close to each other right but um you know open to interpretation right um you know if they want to keep rolling with that um uh assumption or assertion that he is or they are brothers um i'd like to see where it goes yeah but um so you're not sure you think it's too convenient but what did you think did you yeah. think at the end of the film were you like i which side did you fall on um, I mean, I, I would fall on that he isn't okay. his brother because okay. there's just there's too much there's too much up in there. Like there's too much unreliability. Yeah. And it it just seems like it's it's such a perfect answer, you know? Right. It's like whereas everything else is like very like I don't know. Like why would this be why would that part of it be? the truth you know like <laughs> right 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 and it's the most outlandish thing like i'm actually the son of a billionaire you right, know it's like right right that to me is like 
although that would be the joke right that yeah. would be the joke is that like he was the whole time yeah you know the yeah. son of a billionaire and yet he's cast off uh, uh you know into poverty and mental illness and stuff like that to just rot but mm, mm, mm. um that would be that would be the joke but i just i don't think that was the intention mm, <laughs> yeah Silla, what do you think yeah um I don't believe they're brothers just mm. because of everybody. He's the most unreliable <laughs> narrator. Mm. So there could be a complete distortion of what he thinks all three of them say. Mm. So I don't mm. I don't see it as a case. I thought it was an interesting red herring. Mm. Mm -hmm. But again, there was moments like, eh, was this really necessary? Yeah. Mm. No, but okay. I get why you I could see that there. being for just kind of like the general movie going audience. Yeah. Of like seeing that and going oh they might be brothers, <laughs> brothers mm. yeah. <laughs> right. yeah but you know to like anybody who's seen you know every batman movie mm. it's like okay well whatever <laughs> sure yeah yeah <laughs> i'm sorry no okay. no no totally fine and i yeah. like it would be too easy because mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier it's this tightrope of like well if we put too much of a certain way then it makes it difficult to either sympathize too much or no, like, no, this guy's totally out there. We can't mm. sympathize with him at all. Mm. So it just, it would, it would tip the balance in one direction or the other if mm. he were, they were actually yeah. brothers. It would also make Thomas Wayne the actual villain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because yeah. he created the Joker. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And not because, like, he is his father, but, like, mm -hmm you know, his, his actions led to him also, be, you know, becoming the Joker. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, you know, the Joker is supposed to be the villain of, of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at it that way, it's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, his dad kind of pushed him into it. Maybe his dad's worse than he is. Right. And, right. Mm -hmm. But so I am, uh, well, how did you feel about it? How did you feel about that being a part of the story? Like I mentioned, I felt mm -hmm. like it was a bit unnecessary. Yeah. Like, but I understood why they did it because then it made the audience question, like, well, are they half brothers? Right, right, so it right. brought like an extra element of intrigue. Right. But I'm conflicted if it, if it was really needed. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like it didn't make an impact for me. I, I think you could have achieved the same feeling, but and just tweaking that and mm -hmm. using a different scenario, maybe. Yeah. Because like it, it is effective in making mm -hmm. him making it ambiguous as to like well where did he come from like yeah. who was his father and yeah you know um so it like it's effective in that way i don't think mm -hmm. it but like tying it to batman is like a little too like too close. Or that's yeah. a little that feels a little written to yeah. me mm -hmm. you know so i'm actually gonna come at it from a completely different direction from you guys because okay. i actually think based on the evidence in the story which it does not come to a conclusion Again, again, it walks the tightrope so well that you can kind of choose whichever side you think it mm -hmm. lands on, right? Mm -hmm. I actually think that he is, in this movie, Batman's half-brother. And I say that because I think that... So a couple, couple of reasons. I think that Thomas is trying to cover up the affair. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that both Thomas and Alfred are far too defensive in their interactions with uh arthur they seem like there's there's not as much for them to lose to be mm -hmm. sympathetic to this guy but they're almost like shoving him out of their faces like no 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 don't even don't even go there 
Why? Because I think that probably Thomas is really embarrassed about this and does not want this coming up. Because if this is – Thomas has far more to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, the motivation for Thomas to lie about this is much stronger for his character than it is for Penny to lie about it. Penny has very little to gain. But if you painted, if Arthur or if uh, Thomas was able to paint Penny as being insane and go through her whole background and look, make it look like she's an abuser and make it look like all these things. Again, Arthur should never end up back with her if that's mm-hmm. all true. Mm-hmm. But if it's false because it was mm-hmm. falsified by Thomas, mm-hmm. he has a lot more to lose than I think that um, than Kenny than Penny has to gain. So I think that from that character's perspective, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, the other thing that I think is that if I think it makes the story a little bit more intriguing, if it is true, or if or if that it is, um, I think that if they if they didn't do this, it would not solidify the characterization of Thomas is solidified as the example of the rich in this story. So this side story that's going on of saying, well, there's the poor and the poor in Gotham don't get it. And there's the rich and the rich in Gotham um, are dirtbags and corrupt, right? If you don't tie Thomas and Joker together in this kind of way, I don't think it's as powerful. That that part of the story doesn't become as powerful. So I actually kind of like the fact that they connected the two. Now, I'm going to stop there and say, I definitely do not want this to be true in continuity <laughs> because of what you're talking about, because, yeah. because of your perspective of saying it's just way too convenient. It's way too yeah. like, and, 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 and by the way, this has been done before. It's not like this is the first Batman story mm-hmm. to ever pursue this thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it doesn't make nearly as much sense. So as a single standalone film or even as a trilogy, I'm okay with it. If they were to go along with this path of saying that they're half brothers, I'm okay with it because of the the issues that they're playing with, because of the tightrope that they're watching walking, because of the 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 major themes that they're dealing with. But I don't, I would not want this in continuity at all. I don't want them to be brothers. It doesn't make any sense to me for them to be brothers. So I, I think it works here, and I think that he is his brother because of what the characters have to lose or gain or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you could be on either side and you could and you have enough evidence to back up whatever you think. And that's a but not enough evidence to convince everyone else otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so it, is, it becomes what it becomes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Multiple origin story movies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the next one, they're not related at all. Well, we have two more questions here um, that we're going to tackle. The film shows the Wayne legacy in Gotham. Uh, as a as a is a completely in a completely different light, a totally new perspective on. Now, granted, I think some of the comics have explored this a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the movie legacy, it's a little different. It suggests that Thomas Wayne is part of the problem with Gotham, and that especially if he tried to cover cover up his affair with Penny, um, he pitted two brothers against one another by doing so. So, like you're saying, Tom Thomas Wayne not only originated Batman, but he also originated the joker right mm-hmm. um and you have these two characters these two brothers pitted against one another joker as an agent of chaos and batman as an agent of order so um nick i'll start with you on this one did you like seeing the different perspective on thomas wayne and gotham and and his influence over gotham or like what's your feeling about that what's your take um my feeling on it i mean i i like seeing a new take because I mean, the, 
pretty much every Batman movie, the Waynes are deified. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. like characters that you never really meet, but right. everybody like praises them, like all oh, the Waynes. Every <laughs> you know, the Waynes. Yeah. If only the Waynes were still around. You yeah. Know? Um, and so to like actually see the like the physical Thomas Wayne, uh, you know, making choices right. and you know interacting is like is interesting to see i mean mm. it's it's it sucks because he's <laughs> such a ter- terrible person <laughs> but um it also i mean it makes him seem more real too like because mm. like if they do another movie let's say another joker and you know now the waynes are dead they could still be deified right you know and it's like oh well they're actually more human than you think. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they, right, right, they, right, right, right. They made these, um, you know, they made good decisions. They made bad decisions, but they weren't like these like perfect billionaires, you know, because yeah. that doesn't really doesn't really exist. You know, like when we see like what mm. bi- like real billionaires do nowadays, you yeah, know, yeah. like with, uh, you know, the age of the Internet, we can see those things more clearly. Um like you know they're they're people yeah they're very much people right um so i like i like that it's just an you know unfortunate that they made him so you know mean <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, like right. punching somebody in the face in the in a bathroom you know right um but you know i like i i've come to kind of accept uh new takes and stuff like mm. my, my brother-in-law pointed this out to me recently because we're talking about joker and i was like yeah i don't i just don't feel like joker needs an, an origin story like right. i don't know why they made this and he said well i mean you know if you if you keep thinking like that you know then you kind of limit comics too because mm-hmm. like yes the reason you have like certain story arcs in comics that you love so much is that people just keep adding to it right. and trying new things and stuff so i was like yeah you know you're right like i shouldn't really think like this isn't something that should exist because you know, new takes can inspire like the best take, you yeah. know, eventually. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah, so I, d- I didn't mind seeing it from mm. like a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Very similar views. Mm. I do wish though, and you wouldn't have enough time in the movie to do this, that the agent of order, um, for Bruce Wayne could be more fleshed out. I mean, mm, he's a kid, so mm, that's mm. very hard to do. But right, right, right. Um, at times, it it's just like, well, he's there. He's just standing there. They're not really doing anything. <laughs> Playing on his jungle gym that's yeah. right next to the front gate yeah. Which of I, Wayne Manor. <laughs> again, it doesn't justify it, but the whole punching Arthur in the face is majorly in part due like he thought his son was threatened. Right. He, thought, mm. he heard like, hey, this guy came just randomly yeah touch my kid and then choked the butler you know <laughs> yeah right, right. So it, i could see why he acts that way um but still a jerk yeah <laughs> but yeah i just wish it was more developed but i i do like new text because like you said you know it's good to have new interpretations because if you have it a set way then it makes it difficult to make any type of film any type of new story because mm-hmm. people go well it doesn't compare to how it's like in the comics or yeah. it doesn't compare how this story arc goes mm. you know and then it just it limits creativity mm-hmm. mm. yeah i found myself like i since i've had that conversation i've 
been uh, leaning back more when it comes mm-hmm. to like hearing like there's they're making this movie now. I'm based on this comic book. I'm yeah. just like, all right, let's see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, right, right. I'll uh, I'll reserve judgment for the the actual product. I think I think I feel very similarly to you guys. I think that there are multiple ways to look at it. I think that the first way to look at it is I think that it only works like we know the legacy of Joker and Batman throughout all of the different iterations of them, which means that I ask the question and say Joker as an agent of chaos and Batman as an agent of order. But, th- but this movie doesn't give you that because it doesn't mm-hmm. give you mm-hmm. Batman as an agent of order whatsoever. So I'm, I'm, I'm inferring on the story all of the legacy that I yeah. know about Batman and Joker before I ask the question. Um, I think that this is a such a character-centric story that all gets lost anyways, right? Um, because it's more about it's more about do you believe that this character could go through this journey in this way and end up where he ends up? It's not so much about like, well, what's gonna happen next as mm-hmm. Joker and Batman are gonna just like fight for the rest of their lives or whatever. That's not really about that. It's about what happens to Arthur Fleck as he becomes the Joker. Um, so I don't think that this question maybe does not matter, but I think it has to be asked because this is in the DC Comics yeah. universe, so we've got to explore it anyways. Um, I like the nuance of seeing Thomas in a different light because we live in a world where, like you just said, we know billionaires are human. We know mm-hmm. that they're not all like, oh, yeah, they're all great. You know. Yeah. By the way, I don't know that in the history of the world, billionaires have ever been <laughs> painted as great in the first place because... They always, you know, a lot of times. What about Bill Gates? I was about to say. Well, Bill Gates had the most antitrust lawsuits in like like the history of his company. Moving I mean, like, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so so it's kind of one of those things where you're like, where you're like, yeah. Sometimes we end up in places where public perception is something that it is, right? Mm-hmm. But to get to a lot of people, a lot of people who are really really rich, and I know this because I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I even talked to one guy. This guy was actually the, one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life. I'm talking to him and I asked him, like, how did it how did it feel to like have your first exit? Exit's when you sell your company and uh, you sell your company to a bunch of people. They give you a bunch of money. And you you you're rich now, right? Mm-hmm. Go, how how was it to have your have your first exit? And he goes, uh, you know what? Is he speaking my language now? He goes, it felt like I was the emperor from Star Wars, and I could just shoot <laughs> lightning from my fingers. <laughs> Wow, dude, that's a pretty intense way of answering that question. Um, and I kind of just laughed. But uh, I don't even really know what that means. I think what he meant was he's like, now I have all the power to do the things I want to do. Oh, okay. Right? Like, I can do whatever I want to mm-hmm. to a certain degree, right? Um, and so I think that it's interesting to see. I think it's always been a little bit awkward to have Thomas Wayne. Not that I don't like the take, but it's always been a little awkward to have him so squeaky clean as this mm-hmm. billionaire in a very corrupt city that like, it was like, well, he only did good things. Cause like, just yeah. like, just like Bill Gates, Bill Gates right now is doing some of the most amazing thing, things mm-hmm. on planet earth of any other human being based on his riches. Yeah. But a lot of entrepreneurs is where I was going with it. They're so competitive that they will win. Even if they have to fudge a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. even if I've got to go and I've got to make a deal that makes, makes me basically uh, a monopoly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it because that's what I do. I win. That's what yeah. I do. I win. Right. <laughs> and so I think that, that it's weird to see somebody being so squeaky clean. So I like this take because this take seems more relevant to me to see in Gotham. 
Um, and I just think that's kind of an interesting way of, of, of looking at the perspective. I also really like to see how classism is being explored in Gotham because we almost never talk about classism. Mm -hmm. It's almost it's almost always like all of the corrupt people are the ones that actually run the city and nobody else really runs the city. And yeah. so therefore Batman saving the less advantaged people or the disadvantaged people, or I don't know what the word you'd use, the less socioeconomically wealthy people. He's mm -hmm. always just saving them, but you're like, is he though? Because he's spending a lot yeah. of money on beating people up, but is he spending <laughs> a lot of money on programs that could help them out, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, So it's just one of those things I think is a kind of interesting. I agree with both of you in terms of the backstory about the Joker. I'm not sure. I, I would like to see Robert Patterson, Pattinson, I always say it wrong, mm -hmm. Robert Pattinson, and Joaquin Phoenix in a movie together as Batman and Joker. But again, I don't want it in continuity. I just mm -hmm. want it to be like, this is the trilogy or this is the film. And then that's mm -hmm. it. We're good. We're good. We don't need to do that anymore. Because I don't know how I feel about this being Joker's origin. And I kind of like not knowing Joker's or like you said, the deck of cards. I yeah. love that. Like mm -hmm. we can pick, pick which one you want me to be. And that's what that's what it is. Yeah. You know? So, um, but uh, I do like this as an origin story from the perspective of it's not in continuity. <laughs> again, again, mm -hmm. I'm very conflicted. This yeah. movie I'm very conflicted about mm -hmm. in all ways, you know? Yeah. So. It's an Elseworlds yes, issue. Yes, it, it very much yeah. is an Elseworlds issue. Yeah. Well, this is my last question. And we can talk about a few more things if you guys want to. But this is the last question I have on here. And that is that Arthur and perhaps even the film itself suggests that morality, right and wrong, is subjective, just like comedy, right? So he kind of says mm -hmm. that. He says, basically, like, <laughs> I can do what I want because everything's subjective, just like you think some things are funny and I think other things are funny. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah. So based on what you see in this film, and I'll start with you on this one, Nick, based on what you see in this film and what you see in real life, what is your response to that philosophy that morality, right and wrong, is actually subjective? Uh, I think it's an excuse to do bad things mm. <laughs> honestly mm. it's it's to justify his worldview which mm. is that you know he just wants to do whatever he wants you know and he wants to cause chaos he wants to uh murder out of you know just out of annoyance or <laughs> right. whatever just you know um or because he because he can be seen as the hero right yes. if he does that oh he's the hero okay cool yeah yeah and because like, you know, he's so, you know, starved for that kind of validation. Mm, mm. Um, if anybody tells him he's doing good, <laughs> yeah, then it, it's fine. So if somebody says like, hey, that wasn't good. He's just like, ah, well, it's relative good or evil, whatever. Mm. Yeah. As long as I get the as long as I get the praise for it or I get right. the attention for it, right. you know, because like it ultimately leads to him being on TV. Right. Um, and where he like admits everything. Yeah. You know, I it killed, was his dream to be on TV. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Like, I killed those three guys. I, I killed my mom. And then he kills, uh, was it Barry? Murray. Or Murray. Murray, yeah. Murray on live TV. Yeah. I just think it's an excuse mm. um, from his point of view. I, well, he doesn't see it as an excuse. <laughs> he sees it as truth. Right, right, right. He thinks mm. it's truth. But like, you know, from, from the outside looking in actually is like it, seems to very clearly be an excuse to do whatever he wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you would say that in that in whether it's in this film or in real life, that perspective is 
not true. Right. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Sila? Similar views where I believe it's not true, even though there can be areas that are very gray. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you still know what right and wrong is. I think for Arthur's point of view, because of his mental health condition deteriorating to the point where he's like, well, I'm not going to take medication anymore. I feel wonderful when I don't take medication. I wonder if he believes it's mm. objective. He says that it's objective, but I wonder if he believes like, well, what I'm doing is right mm. and everything else is wrong. Does that make it a correct point of view? No, but mm. he sees the world in a totally different way mm. versus maybe how he saw it in the beginning mm. of the film. So the, it makes it difficult. I don't know if necessarily he believes it's subjective. He believes like, well, I'm going to do this now because so far I've gotten that validation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could even be an extreme manic episode where, you know, he just kind of snapped, went really extreme, and then it goes back to feeling really depressed again, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it cycles really quickly, his moods, like mm -hmm. really fast. Mm -hmm. Um but do I agree with that in terms of a point of view? No, there's always right and wrong at the end of the day. And if you don't have that, yeah, it goes into chaos. But I guess that's the whole point of the Joker is having <laughs> yeah. that chaos, having you have that discussion of like, well, does right and wrong really exist? If it doesn't, then where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a point of view he hadn't explored up to that point. I mean, because he's not like a young or young man yeah no he's, he's middle age you know is he in his like, 40s he seems to be in late his 30s, 40s early like 40s. yeah maybe yeah I, I would have said maybe 30s but he could be easily be in his 40s i mean joaquin is like got to be close to 50 right i don't know yeah I have to look something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but i mean that's kind of a long time to you know live like this con the consistent life that mm -hmm. he was living mm-hmm and then to like, it's kind of like a midlife crisis type thing. Yeah. Almost, like mm -hmm. where he, it was like, well, here's the, here's a path I've not explored before. Mm -hmm. And it goes down that way and, it, you know, finds it makes him happy. Mm -hmm. So he's 45, by the way, Joaquin. 45. So, so oh, he's okay. at least 45. So I don't know yeah. what they're suggesting he is in the film, but. Um, I don't think we have different, really that different of perspectives. It'd be fun to have somebody on the show that had a different perspective mm -hmm. and they, they could, we could kind of explore that a little bit because someone who agrees with the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> I don't want them in the room. They can be like calling or something. Um, but I do think that the movie itself showcases one of the things we do on the show is we're constantly looking for what does this story cause us to feel? Why does it cause us to feel that way? And is it true? Right, we're constantly looking at that mm -hmm. in this in in on this show, and I think the movie itself showcases that relative morality, meaning that there are no absolute truths, and that each one of us can dictate his or or her own sense of right and wrong. I think the movie basically showcases that that perspective is a myth, because if you look at the evidence the movie gives you, the movie presents to you, it would suggest that um, if you entertain that Joker's truth is valid, if you entertain that that Joker is correct and that he says i can have my own truth then you are basically courting death and destruction as your mistress i mean you are i mean like mm -hmm. there's no other way of looking at it not only death and destruction for himself but for those around him yeah. as well so if we say yeah his perspective is valid you can have you 
morality is, is subjective and you can do whatever you want. We're basically saying that it's okay that he's doing what he's doing, which is yeah. totally not true. And the movie doesn't want mm. you to think that it's true either, mm -hmm. right? The movie paints everybody as a bad guy, not just Joker, except for Gary. Gary. Gary's our favorite. <laughs> Gary. Um, the hero. Shout out to Gary. <laughs> but uh, but it definitely paints Joker as a bad guy. He says he's living in a comedy, but when we watch him, we know he's wrong. He's not living in a comedy. He's mm -hmm. living in a tragedy, 100% yeah. tragedy. Um, even when you see him laughing at the wrong things when he's at the comedy show, you're like, that's tragic. The fact that you mm -hmm. don't get the jokes yeah. and you're laughing at the things that are not jokes is tragic. Mm -hmm. He's some... trying to fit in. So he yeah. laughs exactly. in inopportune moments. He doesn't yeah. know what is actually funny. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think the movie also shows you that wealth um, is only a means to corruption, not salvation, because Thomas Wayne is a jerk, which I think right. is, a, again, <laughs> a good perspective to have. Again, right? Like we're talking about what just because you have wealth doesn't make you a good person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. right? Um, he's also running for office, which is a big red flag. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He's gonna have all the things. <laughs> but I will say this: I will say this. I do think that, and you kind of said this, Scylla. I'm just gonna just back you up in this. I don't think that truth is black and white either, and I don't think the movie is saying that it is or isn't. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the movie is saying this is Joker's perspective. If we all had this perspective, we'd be in big trouble. Is what mm -hmm. I think the movie's trying to say. It's suggest. cautionary. It's cautionary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cautionary. Um, but I do think that that if we're analyzing like where does the truth lie, we're going, no, Joker does not have anything that resembles truth. But if we were to say this is definitely right and this is definitely wrong, and there's no nuance to truth, there's no nuance to say, well, in this situation, does it change? In mm -hmm. that situation, does it change? Does it if we if we look at it and we go, no, 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 sorry, it's black and white. We we mm. miss we miss actually truth. We we go too far the opposite direction, mm. um, and I think that that's that's a big problem as well. Uh, so I do think that from my perspective, Arthur would say truth is subjective to each individual. I would say no, truth is not subjective to each individual. Truth is the same for every human, but that but truth can be clouded by perspective. It can be changed by perspective. If we have brokenness or hurt or injustice in our lives, that can change our perspective of what truth is. Um, so I'd kind of reject the, well, not kind of, I outright reject the notion that truth is relative, but I would embrace that the nature of truth is not black and white as it's been used in the past by the other side of this argument. Mm -hmm. Some people say relative truth is the way to go. And people go, no, black and white truth. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. It's very, mm -hmm. very, very nuanced. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes it really difficult. When you talk about gray areas of truth, mm -hmm. that means life is difficult. It doesn't mean yeah. life is easy, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's easy if it's relative because you can choose whatever you want. Mm -hmm. it's, easy, it's easy if it's black and white because you go, there's no nuance to this. I always make decision yeah. A or decision B. It's, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. I might as well put it in a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> but that's not the way that it works. Life does not work that way. So it's very, very difficult. And it's focused on giving up the self, not on taking making the self the most important thing and that's right. what joker's doing he's making himself the most important thing. Mm -hmm. and granted to his credit this is why you this is why they walk the tightrope this is what makes it a good movie oh i say good movie this is what makes it a well done movie mm -hmm. yeah. is that he he is shown over and over again when he tries to give up of himself and be selfless that it's not working yeah. and finally he goes fine then i'm just mm -hmm. gonna do whatever i want to do mm -hmm. and then everything goes into chaos yeah 
So that was the last question I had. Now I, I, I I'm just going to riff for for a minute here because because we've been talking around what our opinions are. So I'd like to hear your opinion about what how mm -hmm. do you like the film? Do you what do you think about the film? So give me that, and then Scylla, I'd also specifically like to hear your opinion on the portrayal of mental illness because this is a very mm -hmm. interesting topic mm -hmm. in 2020. Yes, a lot of tropes that movies, especially comic book movies, have used in the past. A lot of mental health professionals are going like, well, you realize that that's itself not nuanced and is mm. problematic because of the way mm. you showed it. So I'd like to see, hear your perspective. So maybe we start there and then we go over to what what Nick thinks, too. Um, in terms of the mental health perspective, there are elements that are done right. There are mm. elements that are definitely done wrong. I've already mentioned that earlier about like the healthcare system. <laughs> yeah. Or just in general. Oh, we're closing down. Sorry. You have no medication now. Um, I, I do understand the concern that some individuals had because they felt that like, well, people are going to equate mental health with violence. Mm, that if you have uh, a mental yeah. disorder, then that automatically means you're violent when that is not the case. Lock me up. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> study, studies show that only three to 5% of the general population mm. that has a mental health disorder might go in that, you know, extreme right, direction. Right. So I, when I saw the movie, I didn't generally worry about that. I think it's an interesting take, but also because it is a movie and it's trying to get you to feel a certain way, it goes on the extreme end with stuff. Cause you don't mm. really know exactly. They never really tell you what he exactly has. You know, mm -hmm. there's things you can maybe guess, deduce yeah. to. They don't even say what the medication is. No, and seven different types of medication. That's yeah, that's a lot of medication. And they um, could all be placebo. Yeah, right? that's a possibility <laughs> yeah. too. So I think it does some things well, showing like how. Actually, there was a quote that he wrote in his joke book that I was the, I thought was really powerful. Mm. Um, the worst part about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. I think that is very true because a lot of times there's such, it's gotten better, but there's such a misunderstanding and a stigma to mental health still that people are just like, well, why can't mm. you get over it? You know, like, oh, I was depressed before, but I feel totally okay now. Why can't mm. you? Mm. And it could be something that Arthur has experienced throughout his mm -hmm. life and just, Hey, I need someone to understand because even that therapist, it could be because she has such a big caseload. Mm -hmm. She's looking at this book with pornography and all this, this, these extreme statements. And she's just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> just right, like tosses right, it right, aside. Right, right. So uh, that kind of frustrated me because yeah, we can be really busy, but it, if we saw that, we'd be like, um, so we might refer you to a high, higher yeah, level of care. Right. Um, so it does some stuff well. Other things I can see why it would be concerning mm. in terms of if people connect violence to mental health. Yes. I didn't get mm -hmm. that from the movie, but I could see where people would. would yeah. Um, as an overall film, I I think it it's hard for me. I don't love the movie. Yeah. But I really enjoy it because of all the questions it poses mm. and all the ways you can interpret it. Because mm. everything could be a complete delusion. Only certain aspects could be a complete delusion. Whereas really, you know, like the deck of cards, mm. what really is the true story? Mm -hmm. There's elements we don't exactly know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't love the movie, mm. but I, I think it, like you mentioned, it's a very well done Right, right. Yeah, it's high, very high quality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, quick, quick question, because my wife and I were talking about this, and I mm -hmm. made this statement to her. I go, you know, we live in a world where now it, it is at least far more acceptable to admit that you have a mental illness, mm -hmm. um, or that you're struggling with with some sort of mental illness. Is there 
Is there any human being that has never had a mental illness in their entire life? I mean, I don't have exact evidence, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, think so either. No, I don't think so. You've or, never experienced anxiety or never experienced depression or never. I mean, come on. Like everyone yeah. has had to experience those things at some yeah. point in time, right? Yes. But also knowing to clarify, because a little bit of anxiety is okay. That's mm, a good yeah. thing mm. for us. It lets our systems know that mm. like, hey, we need to do something different. Right. It's when it goes in extreme ends and yeah. becomes an impairment. That's what makes it difficult. But yeah, mm. anyone could be. I mean, the DSM-5, a diagnosis is adjustment disorder when you're experiencing an extreme stressful event. Mm. Like anyone could be diagnosed with something. Right, right, like if right, you right. really tried looking hard enough, like, oh, here's all the criteria. Yeah. 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 But people don't think of that. They right. just think of like, oh, crazy person when it's like, no, everyone struggles with stuff. And even with my clients, I make sure to normalize like, hey, a lot of people go through similar situations. Yeah. You know, you're not the only one experiencing this. There, yeah, yeah. You know, there's hope. There's there's something else that could be done. Right. There are ways to cope. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. If you feel like you're dealing with any of those things, definitely contact, get, get help because mm -hmm. they can really help people out. What about you, Nick? Mm -hmm. What do you think? I was actually reading the DSM-5 the other day for research. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, sorry. Side. side no, that's now. okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I didn't love the movie either. Um, I'm glad it exists. It's very well very well done, very well made. Um, I just feel sorry for the crew that had to endure. <laughs> Walking Phoenix. <laughs> Walking Phoenix. <laughs> or I any just, of the Jokers, it sounds like. All the yeah, Jokers kind of act crazy on set. Yeah, which like, come on. It, it, I mean, if, if you feel like that's where you need, you need to go to like, you have to make everybody's job miserable to mm -hmm. like achieve a performance like, it's, yeah, it's not worth it. Even mm. if even if you do end up getting an Oscar, that just validates that mindset, you know, like, right, right. like I can do whatever I want because mm. I'm crazy. You know, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, would, it, was, it was an interesting take. Um, I I can't see this crossing over with the Matt Reeves's Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly because in joker bruce wayne is like four or five years old right and so by the yeah, time he like becomes batman joker will be like yeah. 70. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then it'll just be sad that he's punching this old man <laughs> um that would be sad <laughs> but um yeah i mean i i definitely would have um given joaquin a nod for that um i wouldn't necessarily have given him the oscar for it um but um it was a really strong performance in what you could just effectively call it like you know years ago it's like why, why are you doing like this kids movie you know this kid mm -hmm. it's a comic mm -hmm. book movie you know it's mm -hmm. like comic book movies are for kids you know um if we can keep you know legitimizing mm -hmm. that these you know these movies are doing good work great storytelling right mm -hmm. and they're made well they're not just all cookie cutter yeah um like you can actually get some good art right. out of this stuff. Right. Um, you know, I, I appreciated that aspect of it too, even though sometimes I felt like Todd Phillips was just kind of, you know, looking at himself in the mirror. Like <laughs> I, I felt like that's what I was looking at. Some of the framing and like stuff like that. And yeah. Some of the stuff that went on in the movie, I was like, oh man, Todd Phillips is way into himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even just like a commentary on 
well, I don't get to make the comedy movies that I want anymore. Yeah. They won't be seen funny to certain groups. So yeah, even me... though there's like Mrs. Maisel, there's like <laughs> all these like really, really well done, like comedy television yeah, and yeah. films and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I yeah. felt about it. It is interesting to hear him. Uh, I heard him on NPR, I think. Mm. And, he, and he actually, he said that those, a lot of his comments were taken out of context oh, okay. and, he, and he gave more context what to it. Comments? The one is about he can't do the comedy the way he oh, wants to anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, I did not mean to say at all that there was not good comedy. He What he was saying was, I'm not sure that those films would be considered good comedy in today's world. Mm -hmm. and, and and he goes, probably appropriately so, is what he kind of said, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, but of course, that's not a headline producing. Well, so. I, I mean, that, yeah. that goes for a lot of comedies, too. <laughs> <Most> <laughs> comedies, yeah. you know, like, watch a comedy from the... 50s and go like, yeah oh yeah huh. our blazing saddles yeah, yeah all those <laughs> oh, no i mean that's still a pretty darn funny movie yes <laughs> no i still love tropic thunder even though there's some decisions <laughs> oh that it's my like gosh. even at the time that movie yeah came out, i was like Whoa. what oh, is going on yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well okay so let me let me say this yeah. uh i will say that i agree with you guys fully i think it's a high quality film i'll tell you the reason why i struggle with it because I'll give you another film that I compare it to. I love tragedies, actually. Tragedies are one of my favorite things because I think <laughs> tragedies can show us so much about the world. It can teach us so much about the world, especially if you have a hopeful tragedy, which is almost impossible to do. Mm -hmm. Rogue One does it. And I love the way yes, Rogue One does it. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, but uh, one of the things that happens in tragedies, I think, is that if, it, if a tragedy teaches you, Othello is a great example, of why mm. something is bad and why it leads to tragedy, that's cool to me. It's like, oh, I learned something about the way the world works. I learned a perspective that I had not necessarily seen before. The, the closest movie to Joker in terms of it being tragic in the comic book environment, in my opinion, is probably Watchmen. Mm. Yeah, I love Watchmen. I think Joker's okay. Now, why? What's the difference between the two? Mm. Watchmen, it basically posits that human beings when left to their own devices will do horrific things and that man is inherently depraved mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. that's what it tells us it's very clear in it's in it's it's action orientedness and all mm -hmm. these friends battling against each other and all the stuff that goes down and, and it's very singular in it's focus around that to where it it even the people who you think oh wait a minute is this guy actually a hero it's like nope he's not he's mm -hmm. actually a jerk too right mm -hmm. um what Joker does, though, is it just says that, well, if the system doesn't work, if your own personal character doesn't work, if your family and friends don't work, then all of this could just lead to chaos and madness. It's almost too realistic. There's no story there. It's almost mm -hmm. like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. That's terrible. Like, mm -hmm. And I think that that's stories, stories to me are least interesting and a lot of people like would would think that this is horrific for me of saying this but they're least interesting when they're just vignettes about how things can actually happen yeah mm -hmm. uh my wife was telling me about marriage story and it sounds like that's just how things can actually happen it doesn't it teach you I, anything about yeah, i saw that too and i feel like it's really really well done but yeah at the end of it you're just like huh yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. So, not that those things should not be done. I'm not. I'm not pulling a Scorsese here and saying yeah. that these aren't cinema. <laughs> not saying that. I'm not saying that these things shouldn't be told. Uh, actually, I would tell you that they should be told. 
because yeah. we should have a reflection of what real life looks like. However, I would tell you as stories, to me, they're not as powerful because they're not making, they're not coming to a conclusion that we can go, oh, let me, let me take that home with me. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying this exists, I like stories that say this exists because if we let ourselves go down these paths, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Does Joker do that? Kind of, but it says also these other things got to happen. And also, so it's almost more true yeah. to life and so true to life. It's also like worst case scenario. It's also yeah. worst case scenario. It's like, it's not just through. like it's somebody with yeah. uh, like mental illness or something. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. there's so much stacked on top of it mm-hmm. that it's like this is what leads this person to this exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so as a character study i think it's a fantastic character study as an example of what a vignette of what life could be like for some people i think it's extremely valuable from that standpoint as well the cinematography is amazing off Mm -hmm. the charts awesome but at the end of the day i'm like it's just not my it's just not my kind of movie i'd rather have a movie Mm -hmm. that was like Watchmen that said this is the problem and this is what you should watch for in your own character and your own life Mm -hmm. That would be more valuable to me. Joker kind of gets there, but it takes a lot of different pathways. And you're like, oh, that's a lot of things I have to think about. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think we'll go ahead and close the podcast out there. Uh, Special thanks again to Nick Duke and Priscilla Hernandez for joining me today. We all call her Scylla, though. So just so you know. Um, Coming next week on the Story Geeks podcast, we are actually not going to do a live show because we are – well, actually, we will have a live show next week. But it's, we were recording two shows, and that um, the other show will come out first. And that is because we will be with uh, a- the author and artist, uh, Andrew Peterson, talking about Lord of the Rings, which is our new series coming up. We're doing three shows in Lord of the Rings. That's going to be a really fun series. Hopefully, you guys will uh, check that out. So don't miss any of those shows or any of our upcoming shows. Subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider and if you want to vote on upcoming show topics and get access to our discussion questions and prompts in advance of the shows please be please consider becoming a member of the story geeks club for more information visit thestorygeeks.com thanks for listening and as always question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth and finally special thanks to all the members of the story geeks club here are the awesome supporters who support us at five dollars a month or more Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Justin Weaver, Mary Baldwin, Wade Johnson, Jim Baldwin, Monty Thigpen, Nick Prokop, and Connie Moe. We appreciate all the members of the Sorgies Club, even those we haven't mentioned by name, which there are plenty of those too. If you would like to support the show by joining the Sorgies Club, like I mentioned early, earlier, head on over to thestorygeeks.com.